Hey gang, Jonathan Wallace here, and this is an R&R Rounds podcast bonus episode number 64. I've managed to separately interview Drs. Natasha Guminiak and Colin Sedgwick about rural recess simulation training and how to get the most out of it. So if you're involved with the R&R Round Sim program, past, present, or future, or you're involved with your own rural recess program, or you're thinking about starting your own regional program, I think you're going to find that this is a very interesting overview of what we've done in the past and what we've liked and what we're trying to do to optimize other aspects even more. On the other hand, if the finer points of participating in sim education is not your thing at the moment, then feel free to skip over this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. So to start off, let's just acknowledge that simulation education is costly. It's true financially. High-end mannequins and purpose-built sim centers can exceed several millions of dollars very quickly. But even if you do do it low-tech, just getting together with some friends and doing a tabletop exercise with a piece of paper, it's still costly in terms of your prep time and everyone's time to gather and sit around the table. So why do we do this? Well, we'll get into the advantages of rural recess simulation with Natasha shortly, but I'll ask you, what is the alternative when it comes to high stakes, rarely seen medical emergencies? If I were king of emergency medicine, I would set up the entire system in a way where everyone providing professional emergency health services from paramedics to nurses to doctors and all the other health care support services would have mandatory but paid ongoing simulation training, which is ideally tailored to each individual. Sim training is just that important in my mind. But alas, I am not king, and with the exception of U7 regular listeners, no one much cares about what I think. So instead, we've developed R&R Rounds. It's a revenue-neutral CPD program delivering a year-long, highly developed and rural recess-targeted curriculum over the past eight years. And we've created this podcast, initially to support our sim participants, but which has grown some legs of its own independently too. And recognizing that there are many rural and remote doctors all over the countryside who logistically can't get to a sim lab on a regular basis, we're continuing to develop and hone a virtual participation only experience for you too. More on that in my chat with Colin. Okay, so with the stage set, let's listen to my first conversation with Natasha. Can you just remind us who you are and what you're doing and what it is that you like about rural resuscitation? Absolutely. Uh, hi again, everyone. I'm Natasha Gumanyak. I'm one of the soon-to-be final year emergency medicine residents here in Calgary. I'm about two weeks away from that. I've been involved with R&R since about 2020, I think. I grew up in a small rural area and had a lot of hands-on experience with rural healthcare from the start. And so even though I'm in a quote-unquote big city program. Um, I've always had a lot of ongoing interest with rural recess, which is why I've stuck around and Jonathan's happily kept me around all these years. This last year, I'm going into a fellowship in resuscitation and simulation education. So really trying to finesse the art of how we think and learn about how we practice. And so I'm excited to keep doing that as the Calgary director for R&R this year. Yeah. And I have to say, Natasha, you've done a fantastic job over the last three years, I think it is now. And I think this year to come is going to be fantastic because first of all, you've proven yourself as a really good educator in this realm. But second of all, it gets me out of the way because having done this now for eight years, you know, after a while, you just get a little bit stale and tired. And I'm sure that unintentionally I've been holding the program back. So I think it's nice just to push me off and I'll be back to deal with the airway and the ventilator module. But otherwise, we're going to let Natasha and the rest of the team 
steer the ship this year. And I'm really excited to see the changes that come about and how the program really blossoms under a fresh injection of new ideas and energy. Let me talk a little bit about what the old R&R format was like. What we're doing is repeated simulation sessions on a monthly basis. What we really like about R&R rounds is that instead of coming into a place for just three days and then just getting hammered with sim after sim after sim and then leaving and feeling good but not really remembering anything after six weeks, the R&R model trickles it out over the course of an entire academic year. And we know from the education literature that that really speaks to retention and building long-term skills and habits. So historically, that's what we've done. We ran two-hour sessions, which works out to, you know, maybe two big simulations or four small simulations a month. And we would do that initially 12 sessions a year. And in recent years, we got sane and took the summer off. So it was just 10 sessions. So about 20 hours of sim time per year, in addition to the self-study education and whatnot, the entire program has been accredited for 52 credits, which is very fair, I think. But the problem that we found, even with two-hour sessions every month, was there was always attrition throughout the year. Honestly, after 10 cycles, I have never seen anybody attend every session for an entire year other than maybe one super keen facilitator. It's just, it's very difficult to schedule that with physicians. And as a parent, I know it's hard to find babysitting or even to arrange early departure from your clinic every single month. And so with these small, frequent little sessions, we saw a lot of attrition. So we're really hoping that Natasha's new scheme is going to improve that. So maybe Natasha, you can tell us about that. How is the coming year going to be different? Sure. Well, even on, I think, as you mentioned, the facilitator end, everyone's, we know everyone's time, participants alike, is quite valuable and it's hard to every month carve out two hours because that really does take up a whole evening even if the session is just two hours itself so what we are going to try for this next year which hopefully still balances the spaced repetition of being in the sim lab but makes it a bit more palatable or, or feasible logistically is going to six four-hour sessions so making them longer but spacing them out being a bit conscious of holidays and school holidays and whatnot but having longer evenings in the lab altogether. So we'll cover more topics, have the chance to do more sim cases with the same group, which I think does have some benefit in terms of people getting to work together for longer periods of time and actually gives us more hours overall over the course of the year. So we go now to having six four-hour sessions, which works out to about 24 hours of hands-on time, which I'm quite excited for. I think it's hopefully a more efficient way of doing things, but still keeps that ongoing love of learning throughout the year for everyone. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we hit efficiency in two points. Number one, time efficiency. It's much easier to justify taking the evening off when you've got a larger chunk and you know you have to do it less frequently throughout the year, yet we're still retaining that long-term repetitive exposure. But secondly, from a financial perspective, which we have to think about as program directors, it's actually a lot more efficient and cheaper for us to run these slightly longer evening sessions. And unfortunately, with the cost of living and inflation and whatnot, the cost of simulation education has gone up in recent years. But with this added efficiency time-wise, we can really try and mitigate that and really stick to our primary mission of revenue-neutral rural sim education. Natasha, maybe just wrap up this little chat about why do we do R&R in the first place? I mean, I know why we do it, but I'm 100% biased because I created the program, at least to start with. But you have a much more objective third-party view, so maybe you can share some thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I think ultimately we do 
R&R and we do simulation because everyone wants to learn and everyone wants to be the best provider possible for their patients and the best teammate possible for whatever team they're working in. The reason I think R&R itself is so great is it brings people together who don't normally work together with different experiences and backgrounds, not only from physicians working in different sites, but from allied health and and trainees coming from different levels as well that kind of bring uh, fresh questions and viewpoints and and knowledge uh, all into the equation. Simulation, I find fascinating and rewarding because, you know, when you have the right mix of ingredients in the right environment, it's the safest place to make mistakes and ultimately making mistakes or making, making decisions and seeing how they play out and how you might change them in the future is how we make better choices and do better for our patients every day afterwards. So we find that even though, you know, there's a lot of perceived benefit of being in the quote unquote hot seat and being the one leading I find so much of the richness and the value comes from the debrief afterwards. Uh, I love seeing where each group and each sim case takes us and, and what comes up from that is it often, like even as facilitator, opens my eyes to a lot of things as well. Thankfully, even over the last few years, you know, virtual participation has also still been a, such benefit is that people can still participate in these debriefs and ask questions and you don't have to be the one who's leading the sim, but you still get to be a very active member and participate in all that learning that comes from that discussion afterwards. So yeah, I think we do R&R and we do sim because we want to help people. And that kind of goes back to why a lot of us started this in the first place. So it's just a fun way of getting to do that. Yeah, I totally agree. If we did regular rural resuscitation on a daily basis, then we wouldn't need R&R rounds. But the fact is that resuscitation is a halo type event. It's a high acuity, low opportunity event. And if you can't do the real thing, the next best thing is simulation. So thanks for sharing your thoughts, Natasha, and for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Anything else you'd like to say prior to taking the reins here and and leading us into the next academic year? No, I don't think so, Jonathan. I'm just, uh, again, thank you for having me involved and thank you for letting me let you take a little bit of a break. And I'm really looking forward to what this upcoming year for r and in Calgary has to offer. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much, Natasha. Thank you. Okay, that was Natasha Guminiak and myself talking about the changes coming up in the live stream group in Calgary. Now let's change gears and have a quick chat with Colin Sedgwick about the virtual stream. All right, Colin, well, tell us about who you are and what you're doing and how you're getting involved with r and rounds this coming year. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Colin Sedgwick. I'm uh, one of the fifth year emergency medicine residents based out of Victoria in the FRCP program. I first met Dr. Wallace back, I think in 2015, he was running the rural and remote resuscitation rounds in Victoria. And I got involved as a medical student at that time and developed an interest in sim education and rural resuscitation over the course of my medical school training. And then obviously ended up in emergency medicine and have continued on with those interests and have found it really applicable now that we're doing some moonlighting shifts in places like Port Alberni and hoping to continue doing this. I remember, Colin, we had you, I think you were facilitating by the time you were in your fourth year of medical school, which is always a little bit trepidatious for me when you're teaching staff level emergency physicians, but you were so good at it. And you have been involved with the program for a long time, up until COVID kind of shut us down in Victoria. But who knows, maybe we'll get a live stream up there one day again, too. 
All right. We want to talk a little bit about the virtual only participation option for RNR rounds. So RNR is currently operating in a sim lab in Calgary, and we are also now offering it to anybody else who wants to participate, but is not physically able to get to that sim lab because you live in, say, a Callaway. The old virtual participation came about a long time ago. And that was basically because we had live participants who then went off to locum and we wanted to include them. And so we would just open a laptop on a shelf and we put Skype on and we would take the laptop off the shelf and include them in the debrief. And it worked okay. Not great audio visual. And of course, internet connectivity, it was a bit of an issue, but it seemed to work okay. And then we progressed to this double robot thing, which is kind of funny. You can check it out on the website, sim.rnrrounds.ca and see a picture of it. But it's basically this iPad on a Segway, which can be controlled remotely. So you can sit in Dawson City and log into this thing and drive this thing around the lab and people can see your face. And we actually have had quite a number of successfully run simulation codes with the person being, you know, several provinces away and running this code. And so that's kind of cool. But what's happened in the last few years is we've gotten more popular with our rural and remote participants who are distant to our lab. And we're getting to large enough numbers now that anonymity is becoming a little bit of a problem in that we don't get to see anybody in person potentially for the entire year. And that just leads to a little bit of awkwardness. Plus you're behind the computer and it's always difficult when you've got this animated resuscitation going on live in a room. And despite our best efforts, and we have made heroic efforts to try and optimize this. It just felt to me a little bit strained. I feel like our participants in Saskatchewan and wherever they're calling in from, they're just not getting quite the optimized experience we'd like. And so Colin has very graciously offered to try and change things up a little bit for our virtual cohort this coming year. So Colin, tell us, how is the coming year going to be a little bit different? Yeah, so we're excited about this other option that has come up. So this, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of something called the Virtual Resuscitation Room. So this is a platform that has really exploded in popularity since COVID and all the isolation that went along with that. And so we're planning to launch a a virtual participant only dedicated stream. And so this would use this virtual resuscitation room, which is essentially uh, a shared Google slide deck online with a caricature of a resuscitation room, all the medications, IVs, monitors, places to put in vital signs. It's actually quite incredible. And so it allows everyone to see in front of them online, what's been done, what is going to happen. You can assign different roles to do each of the pieces. And so everyone is participating, everyone has their job, and it allows everyone to walk through an an entire simulation and feel like they're directly a part of it. So it's very cool. And I think it has great potential to be used with people that are tuning in from such remote sites and to get more of a sense of feeling like you're in the room and not hidden behind the computer. Yeah, exactly. We've trialed the VRR platform with our R&R group, both the in-person people and our virtual people because of COVID and COVID locked us out of the lab for a few months. And it was highly successful. You can actually go to their website, just search for the virtual recess room, and you'll find videos there demonstrating how the technology works. And it looks a little bit silly. It looks a little bit overly basic, but I have to tell you when you actually use it, it is shockingly effective and it's low cost. It's free basically. And this allows us to offer this added 
dedicated service to our virtual participants this year. So if you sign up for this coming 2023, 2024 academic year, we are going to have a whole bunch of these simulations available led by doctors such as Colin. And I think you're going to find it's a really effective way to learn, even if you are located a long way away. And because it's not super high requirement for video, it's not like you're watching a live video of a simulation lab, it's just a Google slide deck. I think we're going to find that the limitation due to internet bandwidth is a lot less of an issue as well. And for this coming year, if you sign up as a virtual participant, you still get access to the full virtual R&R experience. You still will have the opportunity to call into the live simulation lab stuff that's taking place in Calgary. You have full access to the self-study and a couple of other things that I think Colin's going to talk about here. Colin, what other support and activities do we have planned? Yeah, so in addition to the simulations that we'll be running, uh, we're going to look into the option of having either a WhatsApp group communication or potentially a Discord server. So these would be options that would allow the group to connect with each other outside of that one simulation and ask questions, come up with follow-up learning goals, or if you have an interesting case that you want to share with the group, whether it's related to the most recent topic or not, it would allow everyone to chime in and give their perspective and share their experience as well and learn from each other. Yeah, we've been doing something very similar for the Rural Ultrasound Fellowship, which is 100% virtual, and the fellows never typically meet anybody face-to-face. But it is highly effective to have a platform where you can share ideas and ask questions and get that peer support. And so we're very optimistic that this is going to work for our virtual cohort this coming year. We're kind of thinking about maybe offering a similar or maybe combined experience for our podcast listeners. So if you're a podcast listener and you're interested in being a part of a WhatsApp community or something similar with other interested rural resuscitationists, then let us know. Send us some feedback on the websites, podcast.rnrrounds.ca. And if we get enough interest, then maybe we'll seriously look at inviting folks in and have a little bit of a larger community to discuss this stuff in between our podcast episodes and our virtual recess room events and whatnot. Anyway, Colin, I am really excited for this coming year. I am so grateful that you have offered to come back and join us in R&R Rounds once again and spearhead this new initiative. I am very optimistic this is going to make a huge difference for the virtual participation experience, and I'm really excited to see what comes out of it. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. I'm excited as well. I think it's a, a great idea, and it has enormous potential. All right, gang. So that's some insight into some of the adjustments we're making with our Rural Recess program in the coming year. I hope you found the discussions interesting. As anyone who has done it will attest, planning and operating a simulation well really takes a tremendous amount of planning. We often get caught up in thinking that the realism of the simulation makes the difference, but in fact, both the education science and our own anecdotal experience demonstrate that it's really the debrief and the discussion where the lion's share of the learning takes place. If you'd like to have some of your own simulations locally, just remember you don't need to have a six-figure mannequin to make the experience worthwhile. Something as simple as the free VRR slide deck and 15 minutes of your time to prepare can be almost as effective. And as for the hot seat experience, while it feels good to run a mock code in front of your friends and hit it out of the ballpark for everyone to see, that doesn't necessarily translate to great learning for anybody. Because in fact, we learn a lot more from making mistakes or exploring new strategies in a safe environment and with the support of our peers. 
So if you really want to grow as a rural resuscitationist, get together with your friends and colleagues and pick a challenging scenario for yourselves and learn and problem solve together. Now, Colin mentioned the virtual community for sharing and discussing and supporting one another. If this is of interest to you as a podcast listener, let us know. In my limited experience, it seems like these virtual groups are effective only when there is a critical mass of interest and regular participation. Joining a discussion forum such as this to simply listen and observe is not going to be effective, and it isn't really collegial either. But if you're keen to learn and you're willing to share a case, as we typically do on the podcast, and discuss and offer up your experience to your rural and remote colleagues, then I think a dedicated community like this could really be of benefit. Anyway, let us know what you think by dropping us a note on the podcast website, podcast.rnrrounds.ca. And lastly, if you're interested in our upcoming Rural Risa Sim program, you're welcome to learn more, ask questions, and sign up on our website for either the Calgary in-person stream with Natasha's group or the virtual participation stream with docs like Colin and myself. Thanks, gang, for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. The RNR Rounds podcast is free, open access medical education. This episode was hosted by Dr. Jonathan Wallace. Show notes by Heather Lean. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more clinical pearls. Visit podcast.rnrrounds.ca.